Welcome to this week's View from the Lock, and uh, thank you so much for uh, the people who are listening to the podcast, retweeting, liking the podcast. The numbers are absolutely terrific uh, and are going up exponentially, so uh, obviously people are enjoying the show, and I really, really appreciate uh, everybody's very kind comments as well. Now, this week we have a very special guest uh, has uh, said yes, they would come in to have a chat. Uh, and I think the thing is with view from the loch, it's important to get a breadth and depth of guest and different perspectives on the golf industry. Uh, I think that if you look at social media, a lot of people are sort of one track pony maybe and uh, ha have a, a little sort of thing that they want to hang on to and just talk about whether it's live or the PGA. But I think view from the loch has touched upon all those subjects, but we also want to talk about managing a golf club. So my guest is one of the youngest Scottish managers that uh, there are in the game currently. And her name is Kerry Shields, who's the general manager of Drumpelier Golf Club in Glasgow. Hello, Kerry. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Kerry, working in golf as you and I have done, I'm maybe towards the other end of yes, the spectrum. Definitely. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not uh, visual in yeah. this particular program. But uh, uh, so, how did you get into golf and what was your big break? So, golf was never something that I intentionally got into, to be honest. Um, I had worked in bars, clubs, and had got the chance of going for an interview to work in a bar and a golf club. So, I went for it. I started doing a few shifts a week and I really liked it. It was different from how you were treated to a normal bar because the people you were seeing, you were seeing them all the time. They were always coming about, just random people couldn't just walk in the door and come in for a drink. It was you knew who was coming in. So um, I liked it and within a year, um, they approached me and asked me to be the bar manager. So I took over the role as a bar manager and I'd done that job for seven years. Um, I absolutely loved it. I took the bar from being kind of stuck in, I wouldn't say, I don't want to be rude and say the dark ages, but the bar was very much a one-trick pony. It done exactly what it needed to do and it didn't really go out with um, that. So I was lucky that I had a really good house convener at the time. Um, me and him worked really well together and we started to run the bar from running a loss to making a really good profit. Um, so gave me a lot of confidence and yeah, we just done a lot of stuff to just turn the bar around. So, can, can you give us an example? Maybe so I think one examples. of the examples would be good, would be golf clubs are um, really good for having the, the dances and the kind of old fashioned, you come in, it was maybe um, cocktail dress, um, black suit, and it was a formal kind of three course meal, stuff like that. And I think what I recognised quite fast was that's not for everybody. That's not for my generation. Don't want to come into that. I don't want to get all dressed up and then go for a three-course meal and then for the night to start. So my first function that I organised was a karaoke night. It was rolls and sausage or rolls and bacon at half time to what a few people were quite, um, what would the word be for that? They were a bit surprised. surprised to say the least. I think that that was something the golf club were going to be doing. So we launched that, um, five pound a ticket, and we got 130 people coming along. And right. it was one of the best nights we've had um, for the sales over the bar. So that again, just added to my confidence and then we just kept going for it. So, yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? When when you're on a golf club, um, as, as you know, you can get people who can dominate yes. a golf club. Yeah. Uh, so therefore their views tend to get pushed forward 
more mm-hmm. than maybe the silent majority. Yes. And but you've got to click into the silent majority because obviously it's their club yep. and it's a democracy, so one member, one vote. Uh, and the key, I think, through my experience, is if you can get into what the main body of the golf club is looking for, that can unlock, yeah. um, you know, obviously a happier club or um, I, I suppose a more diverse club as well. So Drumpelier, is it, would you say a diverse club? Is there is there a large female section or how many members do you have? So we have all in all, including our social members, we are just short of a thousand members. So okay. um, have a big play membership. It's full. It's currently on a waiting list to come in um, to the golf club. We don't have a massive ladies section, which is something that we're currently working on just now. What do you think the barriers are? Do you know, to be honest, I'm I'm not a golfer. I've just recently took up golf um, and started to really enjoy it. But I think from an outsider, golf clubs are quite stuffy. I don't think they get the um, name of being very welcoming either. Mm-hmm. So I think there's quite a lot to be done to change that to get, for an outside. I think even just take, for instance, to walk into a golf club, you've got to have a collar on. You've got to have certain things. That in itself, like... How many times are you out driving the car with your family and you would be ready to just walk into a golf club for something to eat? So there's mm-hmm. a barrier right away before you even get in, and that's just being a social member. Sure. So I think um, it's just getting that perception of a golf club changed for certain people. Well, I think, you know, you either change or, or sort of die type of thing. Uh, and, and, and but that, that. That's, it's easier said than done to change because there is probably the older membership have got set ways and set ways and I'm not talking about just my golf club but golf clubs as a whole because mm-hmm. as you know I'm part of the general manager association that you speak to other golf clubs yeah um it's kind of just getting that balance right but yeah you do need to evolve adapt or you won't be here that's pretty much it yeah yeah I think that uh, and it's important that sort of message I mean there are golf clubs you know and the traditions apply and, and you know in in the UK uh, and and Ireland you have some royal clubs Mm -hmm. and of course um it's all very laudable and it is as it should be Uh, but i guess outside of that there there are you know strands of clubs and maybe you're in one of those strands that you kind of need to adapt um maybe maybe as you say the culture's changing the it's it's a club that can adapt yes i think is is possibly what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah uh is adaptation easy in Drumpelier? Yeah, it depends what it is. For the social side of things, um, it was easier. Um, it's, it's not it's not been straightforward, but we have done it. So, for example, um, three years ago, maybe four years ago now, um, we decided that the structure of the club, which was the secretary, the committee running things, wasn't the way to go forward. Quite a lot of clubs were changing to go down the general manager road. So that's a change that Jim Pelley Golf Club made. It wasn't successful right away. We went through two general managers before I took the post. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's working well now. And it's more now ran by the staff, by the professionals who know what they're doing. Well, that's a very interesting model. Yes. Uh, because this one we've got at Loch Lomond Golf Club. Mm-hmm. We have a board. Uh, and the board leave the operations to the general manager and the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a clear division there. Yeah. And re- clear, I, I suppose, responsibilities um, it's not married or murd or murky, uh, which I've seen in other clubs. So you run that similar yeah. model? Yeah, we run that similar model. So I have a captain that um, I'll deal directly with him. I speak to him most days um, if there's anything major happening. However, the day-to-day runnings are done by 
myself um, that feed down to a head greenkeeper, a head professional, um, catering manager, and a bar manager, and it runs very well. Yeah, yeah, because it can you can move quickly. Yeah, and uh, report to I suppose your board mm -hmm. committee uh, and and captain. Um, and you can keep them informed and just up to date. So you mentioned you started seven years, you worked behind the bar, mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden the general manager's position became available. And what made you, what motivated you towards applying for that, Kerry? So the general manager position came av um, available and it was actually the club that approached me to say, would you think about this? And at the time I had not that long had my daughter. She was only six months old, eight months old. Um, so it wasn't an easy decision. Obviously, it wasn't an easy decision for the fact that the two guys previous to me hadn't lasted very mm. long um, in the position. So um, quite a bit of thought went into it. And when I decided to take it, because I have I enjoyed my work, I've enjoyed always going to my work every day. I was not I was somewhere I dread getting into air. So it's been when I was a band manager. So I thought to myself, I'll give it six months. If it doesn't work out within six months, I want my job in the bar open that I can go back to the bar. So they were, I was lucky that they agreed to do so. And after that six-month period, obviously your thoughts were positive? Yeah, my thoughts were mostly positive. Um, I think doing any sort of a managerial role is good days and bad days for like everybody, sure. you know. So, yeah, mostly positive. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. So um, I kept on going, and that's me now. I've been doing it two years last month. Yeah, and, and you seem to have made a great impact and want to maybe get into some of the stuff that you've done as a, as a general manager. You mentioned the Young Scottish Golf General Manager Association. Mm -hmm. uh, and what, what have you learned from them and, and what has been important for you to be part of that? It's been really important for me to be part of that. Um, I didn't get involved until I was in the job about eight months. Um, and it was brilliant to speak to people who are all doing the same jobs all coming up with the same issues but golf clubs are notorious for not speaking to each other for whatever that may be mm. but that has completely um, changed it we all speak to each other we're all in the whatsapp group together so if something comes out that's affecting everybody they chat there's chat in the whatsapp group you don't always need to be part of the chat but you can see what other people have said so it helps you going forward um and it's in different way things like the other day somebody asked the question how much do you charge for buggies because I may be getting flack from certain members saying, oh, this is too much, I go here, there and everywhere. So just that communication between clubs, um, I really benefit from that. I mean, that's a great thing, isn't it, that you've got the WhatsApp group and you're doing, you know, that sharing that communication is really, really important, Kerry. And, and I think that, you know, for you guys to do that is, is a tremendous, it, it's, it's just you've got people in a similar position. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a general manager of golf clubs, so no different to mm -hmm. the sort of, stuff that I have to face that you have to face mm -hmm. as well so there's no distinction there uh, and I, I guess that uh, when you talk to other people you realize that there are similar things mm -hmm. that they have to it makes you uh, feel better yeah it does because uh, even when we come into the visit to like Loch Lomond I'm in nowhere near the scale of Loch Lomond however there was things you said that resonated with me and I thought do you know what I've experienced that uh, it's good that you have the same problems as what I do yeah so, uh -huh, yeah that's nice yeah and, and I think that um you know you work your way through and, and communication is key mm -hmm. often or else if you have a vacuum that vacuum can get filled with conspiracy theories mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't really do anybody any good and of course I've seen that uh, in, in action over, I mean, I'm 25 years doing this, Kerry, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, and, and you're just starting out, but, um, you know, already, as I said, you seem to have made a really positive impact 
uh, at, you know, where you are. So in terms of then your first big decision that you had to make as a general manager, can you recall what that was? My first big decision, I would say a big, de the big decision that I've made recently is um, I was looking at the visitors coming in and we have things in our golf club that are shotgun days mm -hmm. so a company came in and completely have the um, course for a day a company a charity wherever it may be um, and looking on them once we'd had um, maybe a few of them it was turning out that the company would come in and just say so we've closed off our course for five hours minimum to, to our members and then you would maybe get 40 people playing in that day so we would only get visitor fee for 40 people which I don't think is acceptable or justifiable to our members to stop them playing their own course for yeah. five hours for 40 people coming um, to use the course. So we put together a package um, that included for 72 um, players, um, the full package, including their drink, the um, food, everything, and put a price on that. And that, I think that's quite a big step because golf clubs had just happy to get anybody through the door because they need the money. So that was quite a bold move and it paid off because we get five booked in um, within, I think we launched it and within a couple of months we had a five booked in, which six is the maximum I can take. So it's good we've got that guaranteed income and it means I'm not waiting till that day uh, to find out how much I'm getting off the shotguns. So we've put a package together and people have bought into that. So we've been lucky, lucky, but it's, it takes a lot to be confident to do that and yeah. to stand by it as well. Yeah. Even with the first few weeks that nobody was coming back to you, it just keep strong yeah. <laughs> and go for it. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting and, and pretty savvy. Um, so people could book out a shotgun even though there was only 40 of them uh -huh, they could just yeah. okay so you've obviously made it worth their while to mm -hmm. include 60 or yeah. 70 and, and it's beneficial it makes, it makes it's beneficial for us but most of the days that come to us it was beneficial for them because they can get their numbers so no it seems to have worked really well and obviously the off of that is that then these 72 people come in in the bar so then the bar gets a turn and yeah so it worked well so how would you describe uh, Drumpelier uh, Golf Club? What you know? How would you describe the club that you manage? Um, I would describe my golf club as a welcoming golf club. I think we do move with the times, um, definitely. Whether that be with sustainability, we are just looking next month. We're getting solar panels on. We look at things that are coming um, to us. We used to probably be, and I was guilty of it as well, sit back and wait for something to be there before we acted on it. We now don't. We have a five-year plan in place that we constantly add to it, um, that we're just constantly looking at the club, looking changes for the course, changes for the clubhouse that are needed, and we act on them before it comes to the time that we need to do something about this right now. Hopefully, we're just a wee bit more now ahead of the game. Well, that's really important, is to have a five-year, three, mm -hmm. five, or maybe ten-year yeah. plan um, to kind of have a direction of, of, of where you're going. And does it excite you... The five-year plan is something that you think, yeah. Uh -huh, definitely. It excites me the idea of it and the things that we keep adding to it as well, that hopefully when we get to the stage that we're in the position to do this improvement, it would be brilliant for the club. So when you were a bar manager, you would have your regular members that you would see and they would talk to you um, as a bar manager. Yeah, yeah. Then you become general manager uh, and maybe, um, you know, a few people might have spilled a few things mm -hmm. here and there. Uh, and did that affect your relationship with those particular members? Or was it just, yeah, okay, let's continue the dialogue we've always had? Um, no, I, I think the good thing for me between being the band manager and becoming the general manager, there was lockdown. So right. it gave everybody maybe a year to two years of not seeing me 
Um, <laughs> good for them. Yeah. Um, so it was a kind of clean break coming into general manager, but I think it's actually been really positive for me to be the general manager coming off the back of being the band manager because I have good relationships with the members. Um, so maybe people that were notorious for complaining or that certain general managers would have dealt with, I pick up the phone and I speak to them because I've got a good relationship with them and find out what is it that's really the issue here, what can we do, and then maybe give them a wee insight of why we've made a certain decision. Um, so no, I think maybe sometimes then you get the double-edged sword that then people think they know me that well, so I'll just ask Kerry and she'll do it. But mm. it's just, I have a rule that I treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We've got to be fair. If that's the answer to one member, it doesn't matter if they've done certain things for the club or they've held prestigious title, maybe they've been the captain or past captain, stuff like that. Um, the answer needs to be the same across the board. Yeah, I think that's sort of... Uh... Uh, fairness is really important. Yeah, um, you know, Especially in golf clubs when everybody talks. Yeah, so yeah. If you're not consistent in what you're saying and what you're doing, people soon get to know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, so you, you've taken up the game of golf, and um, how's that going? Um, <laughs> I listened to your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, the gentleman said, just keep your eyes on the ball, and I, I really struggle with that. I really struggle with just keeping my eyes on the ball. I don't know if it's because I'm nosy to see where the ball's going all the time. Mm. I want to be hitting these great shots right away, but really good. I think I can see the fascination with it. The turning, I turn off my phone. Um, we go out, you're in the fresh air, beautiful scenery round about you, and yeah, you just enjoy it. You're not tuning in anything else. Something I do struggle with is being about my golf club when I'm not working, because I struggle to, as soon as I drive up the end of the driveway, I switch on to general manager mode so I struggle with that but definitely with being out on the course I'm enjoying it and I can switch off and I think most people don't recognize me on the course which is great yeah I've got my hat on and I'm out with the office environment they don't recognize that it's me right away yeah well I mean that's great that you've taken it up and it is important to, to play the golf course or walk it mm -hmm. uh, it's part of the kind of responsibilities and it's interesting you know what about playing golf as a general manager um yeah I've seen it in the past where People have got a job um, and uh, maybe they play too much. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I remember on one occasion, and this is a long time ago, um, I was at a family sort of Christmas event and there was a couple of relatives there who were members of this particular golf club. Uh, and there was a new chap had been appointed and I, I knew very, very keen, he was very excited to get the, the you know, the gig. Um, but he played golf a lot mm -hmm. which the members don't like no no and um i said oh so how is did it and they had already termed him the player manager yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh and i thought he's not going to recover from this and mm -hmm. he didn't mm -hmm. um and I, and I think it's it's one of those strange things um you know that you didn't need to do it mm -hmm. but i think if you don't do it a lot uh -huh. people accept, just a balance yeah uh -huh. there's a balance yeah. I think you need to be out to see the course as part of your job so that if members yeah. have a moan about the course, you know exactly what they're talking about. Right. But to be out there a lot, no, I don't think that's acceptable myself, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I think you need to be about the clubhouse to see what's happening on a daily basis, um, to be out playing golf, absolutely after your shift. I think sometimes it can get a bit much with the members just think all the time they can dictate probably what you're doing. So they're seeing you out the golf, playing golf once a week, they maybe it's their slot to play golf. So they're seeing you every week playing golf, but it's not majority, you're mostly in the office doing your job. So I think there just needs to be a balancing act, definitely. Um, I've seen before as well that general managers, so the T-sheet where you book on, 
they were booking ahead of the members. Mm. So I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do that either. Uh, that's a classic think, mistake, uh, yes, that. that is a big mistake because yeah. they're very protective of the T-shirt and who gets booked in um, before. So, no, I think you just need to be on the ball. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting for people, you know, to listen to this podcast. You know, the vast majority will not be golf managers. Yeah. Uh, some who are listening may want to become golf mm -hmm. managers. Uh, and, you know, there's certain pitfalls that, that you have to try and avoid if, if you can. Mm -hmm. um, and Kerry's explaining from her point of view how she sees it. And I think that I would agree with, you know, a lot of what Kerry's saying that it is a bit of common sense there, but you do have to stand up for yourself as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, or you can get sort of steamrolled over slightly. Mm -hmm. um, and has there been an occasion where you've thought, I don't know whether to push this as far as I'm going to have to push it or not? Have you had an instance as a GM, you're only two years in the role, that you've thought, I'm going to have to stick to my guns here, but, you know... It's uncomfortable. To be, to be honest, I think uh, if, I, if I know I'm writing something, I will stick to my guns. I'm quite headstrong like that. However, I'm very good at, see if I've made a mistake or mm. in the long scheme of things, it's not going to be a massive deal. Back down. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't let it go into a couple of days of annoying me, annoying the person. I'd, I don't think um, when you see what's happening in the world, it's not the be all and end all. So if it is something that's not going to make a massive deal to me or um or the golf club, then I would back down with it. But I'm a headstrong. If it's something good for Jumpelia Golf Club going forward, then uh, I will back it and I will stick to it. Well, I think that's the key, isn't yeah. it? You're working for the golf yeah. club or you are overseeing the golf club operations mm -hmm. and you have to sometimes make decisions that are good for the golf yeah. club. Uh -huh. It's not about the Kelly Shields or Bill Donald show. Uh, it's it's about what's what's good mm -hmm. for the golf club. And sometimes that's, that doesn't suit everybody. Uh -huh. And I think that's hard as well when you get... People say, well, a golf club isn't a business and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I get that comment quite a lot. It's not, it's a members club. It's not a business. Um, absolutely, as a business, it needs to be mm -hmm. run like a business, but it obviously doesn't suit some people that it's run like a business. But no, I think. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, look at Loch Lomond and Loch Lomond's had its problems in the past and it was in the bank. The banks were running the club. Members bought the club under the nose of De Vere. De Vere put in a, a bid that was slightly higher. And when I arrived, uh, there was a director of De Vere invited me over to Cameron House and we had something to eat and uh, and whatever. And, you know, he said, you know, the members are going to get fed up paying for it, Bill. You mm -hmm. know, that, that's how we see it because Loch Lomond was coming out of a very bloody part of its history. Uh, and I thought, do you know... Um, it's a bit of a rash statement that, and then on the other side of the coin was, well, there's significant members of Loch Lomond that will always see it through. And I also sort of thought of, and thought, well, to a point, mm -hmm. I always think there's to a point. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the De Vere chap that gave great motivation um, to myself and the team to sort of prove that statement wrong, um, but okay, but also not to rely on, handouts from members mm -hmm. because that is a road to no time because yeah. people start getting fed up yeah. um, and they don't want to start paying for stuff on a regular basis yes you've got your annual subscriptions and you have to decide what they are but that's all part of mm -hmm. a of a golf club but you know if you're losing money or you know if it's uh, you're looking for bank loans yeah. or you're looking for uh, you know people lending money mm -hmm. honestly it's it's a different place yeah. it, it's success breeds success yeah. and if your balance sheet is a positive one uh, and you reinvest 
which is I think also important if you can, then it leads to a real happier club. Yeah. So it is like a business. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is a business and it needs to be treated like a business. I get there's some occasions that maybe a business, if you maybe do something that's more put towards the members or run something or give them something, the odd thing for free um, as a kind of club, as it's part of the club, but as a business, it should be run like a business. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and I think we agree on that. So in terms of uh, funny stories or stuff like that, um, I, I can remember I, I was the same age as you when I first went into golf mm -hmm. management. Uh, and um, it was a, a club in, in Northern Ireland uh, and a Canterbury Golf Club, two golf courses, 1,500 members. Now, I, I had a bit of a history there. I was a juvenile member at one stage. I was living in London at the time. Uh, and I decided, like, okay, I think, that this would be quite an exciting adventure. Uh, I knew it'd be fraught with having to deal with, you know, members in a, in a close knit group. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very social club, even though it lost a lot of that. Um, you know, there's only 20 people down on a Saturday night and stuff like that. It was jacket and tie, th things that you were mm -hmm. alluding to. Um, and it had sort of lost its soul a bit uh -huh. uh, from a club that I remember, which was packed, lively, and uh, a real sort of centerpiece for the, the local community. Uh, but anyway, there, there was two members. One was, uh, he'd been a successful business guy, and um, his son was in the uh, dental uh, business. And his father was there every day. And uh, his son who's quite a good golfer, would come on a Saturday regularly, maybe one day during the week. And they were nonstop telling you, you know, I, I engage with them mm -hmm. all the time because yeah. I don't mind that sort of thing. Uh, and, um, you know, they would tell you nonstop. They, they had issues about the price of food. Mm -hmm. So it was about, and I can't remember, it was ridiculously low, the price of breakfast. Mm -hmm. But they said to me, there's a place that's opened up down the road called Brambles. Um, and uh, they said, you know, you should you should be looking at brambles, you know, brambles this and brambles that and whatever. So um, I listened to it and sort of nodded and, you know, then we moved on to something else. But this went on for a period of time on a, every Saturday. Uh, and I said, right, okay. They had a menu. I think everything was 99p from memory. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I said, right, I'm going to go down to brambles and just both their faces dropped and I went oh this will be good and the captain uh, a guy called very nice guy called Harry Tedford who played uh, on the wing for Ulster rugby uh, and uh, was a guy I had a lot of time for Harry so he's having something to eat on his own and I could see the smile on his face so that's okay so uh, you could look out the window and when you're driving away from Clandy Boy it's quite a steep slope down and uh, so I knew they could see me driving down so off a set to find brambles and I'm thinking they don't want me to go here mm -hmm. so uh, it took a while but I, I did find the caravan mm -hmm. uh, which was in a um, in an industrial estate mm -hmm. uh, and there was a very perfectly nice lady and with they had about three tables in this caravan yeah. uh, and uh, I said oh we've got the I look after Clandy Boy Golf Club. <laughs> so the, the, and I called them their name. And she said, oh, yes, yes, yes. She said, um, they're hardly eaten here. I, I think they've been once. So I just laughed. Uh -huh. You know, they grabbed the menu, been once. Mm -hmm. So I came back. Everybody's completely sheepish. 
Uh, and I said, from now on, I'm going to call you the Bramble Brothers. And everybody fell about laughing. Uh-huh. Now, we didn't fall out yeah. because it was, they saw it as a bit yeah. of fun in yeah. the end uh-huh. as well. But unless I'd done that, I'd be uh-huh. mis- I still would be listening uh-huh. to it. But it's all, uh, the way you've handled that situation is really good as well. You've not come back all guns blazing. You've no. come back and had a laugh with it. So. Yeah, humour is really yeah. important. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, that's one thing I would say, and I have said it in the podcast, that, uh, that humour needs to be there amongst yeah. the staff. And the members, it's a club. You're yeah. meant to come and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, so it's interesting. You get all facets of life, and maybe we'll get into that in a second. But I think you've got a really good story to share. Uh-huh. So my story to share um, would be we had a, a guy that helps about the club. He's there most days. And if he's not there, you notice he's not there because he takes out the bins, he sweeps up, he, he just helps about the golf club all the time. Um, so, and especially on big occasions when we have them, he's always there, he always wants to help out and he's there from the very start, like seven in the morning and he's the last person to leave. So a couple of days had passed and there was no sign of him. So we had a really big day on the Saturday and I thought it's fine, he'll be here for the big day on the Saturday, no sign of him. So he goes into the next week and I thought, right, something's not right here. He never said he was going away anyway and he wasn't one to ever go away. He was always about the golf club. The golf club is a big part of his life. He was always about it. So I was asking about anybody seen him, nobody's seen him drove past his house, um, no sign of him, no sign of his car either. And I just started, my head was ticking and worrying. Um, so I decided, um, I got the secretary at the time to leave a voicemail on his phone because I thought if he hears that, he'll definitely jump to it. He'll be like, oh, what's wrong up there? I'll need to up and see. No sign of him. So I phoned down the hospitals, the local hospitals, to just see if he'd been in, maybe something had happened, nothing. So I thought, right, I've been left now. This was day seven. I thought there's nothing else for me to do here apart from contact the police. So contacted the police and they thought it was fair. It was always about and no sign of him. So up they went to his house, no sign of him at the house, spoke to the neighbours and the neighbours had said, no, we've not seen him either. So they decided to kick down his front and back door to see um, if they thought something had went wrong. Um, so it turns out he was only just on holiday for a week. <laughs> so <laughs> he um, he came back on the Thursday and went no, to no the golf front club. and back door. No front and back door. So he came back. I had no front and back door. So he came back up to the golf club and everybody was then sending me photographs of him, saying, "Oh, he's raging. He's looking for you. He's not happy." So I thought, "Oh, yeah. that's good." I said, "I'm not happy with him because he's not told me that he's not going to be about or he's not told anybody." So on the Friday morning, I was sat at the side of the bar doing my books, and here he comes around the corner. So I was ready for an argument with him. And I says, well, what have you got to say for yourself? And he says, um, I'm sorry I didn't tell you where I was going and thanks very much for caring about me. <laughs> so he told, I was ready for him. But um, I, I think that just shows that the members with a, with a club, the members do become part of your life. You do have an interest in them. You see them most days. Some, you see them when you see your family. Yeah. So um, you do have that relationship with them. So I think I just maybe took it a bit too far, that one. But, <laughs> you know, which is funny, every time he goes away for a couple of days, he sends me a postcard to say, missing man on tour. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going. He'll text me before he goes and he'll text me when he's home. So. Well, I mean, let, let's face it, Kerry. I mean, you obviously missed him, but there's also maybe a few members that uh, you think, thank God they are on holiday. <laughs> no, never, never. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's a brilliant story, that. Uh, so... Um, so in terms of how would you, can you categorise the membership at your golf club? Um, I would say I, I was a, with the um, General Manager Association, there's a young General Managers Association yeah. and we've been going around, big golf clubs have opened their doors and welcomed us in, which has been brilliant, Gullin, Muirfield, yourselves, um, it's been really good. So one of the golf clubs summed it up for me and I thought, 
this is really good. This is exactly what I think it is like. And they said it's the 80-10-10. So 80% of the members don't bother with you. They are so happy to come and play their golf, come in for something to eat, and away they go, and you'll never hear from them. 10% of the members are um, prepared to help you. They go above and beyond. Maybe if they've got a trade, an electrician, they'll help about um, the place. And 10% of the members, no matter what you do, they will never be happy. Okay. And I thought to myself, if big clubs are saying that, then it's not just me that's feeling it. And why get yourself tied up on that 10% that no matter what you do, they're never going to be happy. Why get yourself annoyed over them? Focus on the 90. Focus on that 80% that aren't bothering you that are happy and that 10% that are going above and beyond. So I found that really good and a tool that I think about quite a lot because it always, I would say, not for myself, but for previous general managers that were in my position, it was the same people that were emailing them or contacting them. So... Yeah, I think that's a good way to summarise it. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I, I think, again, uh, it's about how you communicate, I think, to uh, to certain members. Uh, there was a chap, and I'll go back to the Clandy Boy Golf Club scenario, and um, I would talk to this particular guy uh, who actually knew my father um, and knew the family. Our families were quite friendly. But um, he was head up in the judiciary uh, in Northern Ireland and had a very def definite viewpoint on how the club should run. And I reckon there was no more than 10% support for this particular view, um, which inevitably would have cost people more money effectively. Uh, maybe made it more private, but there would have been, you know, we'd been asking for a lot more money uh, to keep the, the club on the upward trajectory that we'd got it. Uh, but he knew that and we talked about it and we debated mm -hmm. it and I said, you know, I, I, I can't subscribe to what you're saying because I think the vast majority, the 80, 90%, you know, are happy with the club and, you know, are enjoying it. Um, however, you know, he would write in a lot and you always had to answer. Mm -hmm. You always it just takes up your time. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. But but if you know answering that is very important. Mm -hmm. But it does take up your time. Anyway, when I left, um, the letters continued uh, because I remained a, a member, but I was distant really from from everything then, and uh, they ignored the letters or ignored. So all of a sudden. Uh, he, he began to garner support within the members to say, look, because there's a new clubhouse built, uh, and he was questioning some of it, but all of it was completely above board. And um, uh, he started, it was quite clever, and people started to sort of go along with this uh, thought process. Uh, and then it led, I, I turned up on an AGM, and this is a club that I'd left two and a half years ago, uh, it was losing money. We were now making money. The bar had increased 18%. I'd taken on the catering and it, it was making money, mm -hmm. um, which was no mean feat. Uh, and green fees had gone up. So, And a new £1.7 million clubhouse had been built. So it was happy uh, days. Yeah. Membership was booming. Two and a half years later, um, this particular member got voted in as honorary secretary uh, and the club went on his head two uh, general managers came and went um, there was an investigation uh, into certain things from the, about the previous committee all totally unfounded the uh, accountants that have been there for 30 to 40 years got shifted on and it was like a complete revolution and of course the club nearly fell apart mm -hmm. um, and bit by bit they got themselves the club 
sort of real. I think there was a few people resigned who was within this particular revolution group. No, but I think that um, I don't know what age he was at that stage, but um, uh, he he's no longer here. Um, and I, I think that he, he probably never recovered from mm -hmm. it, really. You know, um, you know, his reputation, everything that was it was just it was just an incredible thing. To I think see. that just is so sometimes and it can be in any environment, whether it be your staff or your golf club, see just one bad egg. It does eventually breed out to other people mm -hmm. if they keep going on a lot. So uh -huh, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting what you say about the, about the staffing. So uh, you know, when I before I went to Candy Boys teaching uh, in London, I took a career break because I like using the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. though I was kind of always involved in sport, but I was in the hospitality industry, and then I took a career break to study more in my twenties. Uh, and uh, and I went into teaching for two and a half years that allowed me to do the studies that I wanted to do, uh, and that was fine. Um, but you know, it's quite simple when you taught, and I taught eighteen year olds plus, even though that that's that's really twenty five years of age. Mm -hmm. um, and and it was a college uh, in Uxbridge where Boris Johnson just resigned, uh, Uxbridge College. And um, uh, if you had one or two students in the class that didn't want to be there or were influenced you actually had maybe 18 other people who wanted to be there mm -hmm. they wanted to learn it was their yeah, education yeah. and then two people that didn't want to be there just put them out yeah because the other people want to be there and it's 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 affecting them i have a guy that um talks a lot of sense and always gives good advice and his advice is when you've got that with staff is sack one person sack them and let them see like this will not be tolerated. He says, and very soon everybody else falls into place. It's hard to sack something. I can't get through the <laughs> process. But um, that was always his advice: is if you do it with one person and everybody else can see what will happen if you continue to behave like this, then yeah, what the standards are, people, uh, what the standards are, and what you will accept. So, Kerry Shields as a general manager, what style do you think you have? Um, my style would be. So we used to have, we've had people in the past where their mantra was members first. I don't think that's the mantra. I would say members and staff come mm -hmm. right in together. Staff are massive for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's because I've came through, I've been there 10 years and I've came through, I was 21 when I started. So you remember um, how people treat you, what's the saying? You don't always remember what people said, but you'll remember how they made you feel. And I think that is very important. Um, so I always look after my staff, and I think if I look after the staff, they'll look after the members. We seem to work very well together. Communication with the staff is massive for me as well. Um, I always felt in my younger years, it was the secret society. Nobody told anybody anything. The staff weren't told anything. So mm -hmm. I didn't feel part of it. I didn't feel involved in it. Um, my staff were all in a um, WhatsApp with my full staff. So absolutely everybody in the building, the Green King staff, everybody are all in this um, WhatsApp chat together and we communicate daily. So the greenkeepers are put in the morning, they stay us off the course, and anything at all that's happening throughout the day, they'll get told about it. If I'm going to send an email out to the members, they'll get the email, but I'll let them know first what the email's coming mm -hmm. out and what it's saying. Mm -hmm. um, the solar panels, I give them the information of how much money we'll make back off these, blah, blah. So the staff are made aware first and foremost before anybody else, and I think that is a very important thing. I agree, and yeah. it's very commendable. I think sharing information with the staff is really important, you know, and, and it, it was maybe one of the barriers here. The first questionnaire I, I gave out to the staff, 
49% thought the communication was good. Mm. It was really mm -hmm. low. It was mm -hmm. by far the lowest. Uh, and, and we have a thing called One Team, mm -hmm. uh, which is an app. And um, so if someone joins the club, we had a chap who joined our sort of horticultural gardens team. And uh, he just put out yesterday, my name is, and I'm happy to join. Oh, and then you nice. get people yeah. responding, you know, in kind. So, um, yeah, and, and I think we can do more. We can yeah. do more at Loch Lomond for sure. But, you know, I think that that is absolutely commendable, what you're saying. Um, what would you say to somebody trying to get into golf management? What advice would you give them? My advice, first and foremost, would be work in, work in a golf club in some capacity. So where that be, I actually think that everybody in life should work behind a bar for six months to just experience what yeah. it's like to deal with people. Um, but definitely work in a golf club. And every bit of the golf club is important. If it wasn't there, if the staff didn't turn up, if it wasn't run, it has an effect on the full club. And the course is the main thing. But if people can get fed or can get a drink, or everything plays its part. So work in some part of the golf club. Get a feel for it because it isn't for everybody working no. in a golf club. I think with it being the same members all the time, it can be um, the kind of invest into you as a person. I feel sometimes the members can feel like you belong to them. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely would, that would be my main bit of advice. But my second bit of advice would probably reach out to people who are doing the job or the General Manager Association because I found that absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So that would be my two. Okay. Well, I think that uh, you'll agree it's been an absolutely fascinating podcast, uh, looking at ways of, of which running a golf club and some of the challenges as well that we've faced as golf managers, me towards the end and Kerry towards the start. But I think that uh, you, you'll have heard Kerry now for, for a good uh, part of this podcast set out you know, her views. And I think that this is a young lady that's going to go very far in the golf business. And I wish you all the best. And Carrie Shields, thank you very much for coming Thanks in. Thanks very for much me. for having me. Thank you. All the best. Thanks.